1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Welcome to Hub City Homers. This is episode number 64. Tonight it's me, Jack, along with my co-host, Kendall. And we'll be getting into uh, Texas Tech basketball And we'll be touching on the Texas game, the Baylor game, and looking ahead to preview Kansas State in Manhattan. Um, We're not going to mince words tonight, uh, since it's kind of just me and Kendall. We're just going to have a pretty frank conversation between the two of us. We're going to keep this pretty loose. We're not going to do our typical uh, pod format where we touch on, uh, you know, just certain questions about things. We're just going to have a pretty open conversation. Um, Both of us are going to keep our mics open pretty much the entire time. And uh, we're just going to kind of talk back and forth about what we're seeing, uh, how we're feeling about certain things. Um, And we're just going to be, we're just kind of going to have like a pretty frank no bullshit conversation. Um, we're going to start with the Texas game. We're going to move into Baylor, and then we are going to touch on Kansas State. That's kind of going to be the flow that we're taking tonight. Um, but we're just going to kind of have a pretty, like I said, we're just going to have a pretty frank conversation. So um, I'm going to start it off by reading off some stats uh, from the Texas game. We're going to jump right into it. Tech loses this game 72-70 to in Austin um tech led by nine at half they led 34 to 25 at half and uh lost this game by two uh this was a game that featured Fardaw's IMAC for the first time this season played pretty well played uh 29 minutes played a lot of minutes for his first game had 12 points five rebounds two assists um Pretty good, pretty good first game for him. Um, Tech was led by Pop Isaacs in this game. Uh, he had 23 points uh, on 5 of 9 from deep. Uh, Jalen Tyson had 12 points and 14 rebounds. Uh, Davion Harmon had 13 points and 2 steals. Uh, Daniel Bacho, no points, 2 assists, five fouls Kevin O'Banner eight points 10 rebounds four turnovers four fouls um tech as a team finished with 15 turnovers uh Texas finished with 14 turnovers uh for Texas Marcus Carr had 20 Timmy Allen had 17 and uh Serge Rice Had 18. Christian Bishop also had seven. Arterio Morris had five. Um, Kendall, let's just hop into it. I mean, um, pretty exciting to see Dawes coming off the bench in this one. I really did not expect him to get the amount of run that he had in this game. Um, but you know, with Bacho in foul trouble, um, and just playing kind of a, just to be quite honest, a pretty poor game. Um, It's great to see him be able to play these types of minutes uh, so early, uh, getting back on the floor.
0: Yeah, I think he brought like a much needed spark to this team, and it's been evident. Like, Yes, they lost to Texas, but A even though we're a tech podcast, we can still give Texas credit when it's due. They have a very, very good basketball team. There's a ton of talent on that Texas team. And, you know, tech, they had the lead and everyone's frustrated with, obviously, like some of the blown leads and stuff, but that's just Big 12 basketball. Um, You know, seeing AMAC out there, one thing that I re- definitely, just in general, was really happy to see the ball movement was like, hellishly improved in both games he's played. Um, he has one pass that Tech hasn't been able to make all year, and it's when he's kind of down in the post, he can make that skip pass to the corner so effortlessly to give Tech open shots. Um, he hit one to Tyson that Tyson drilled on uh, the first half. Um, you know, something that was really kind of frustrating in the Texas game uh, that I felt wasn't in tech's power and i'm not going to say this is the reason they lost but you know tech as they were trying to build on that lead they just couldn't get a call to go their way um especially towards the end of that first half um you know texas went on a little mini run to cut it under double digits before halftime and i think that's really what kind of just swayed the momentum into Texas's corner was you know they got a couple calls that were questionable um, got to the line, made their free throws, and cut the lead under 10 just before halftime. And that kind of just altered the entire game. Um, one big talking point that we definitely need to hit on is, you know, the Tech's perimeter defense. Um, you know, teams have been hitting a lot of threes on Tech. That it's wasn't been any ass. Dip-
1: Let me call, call it, call it, out. it's been ass. It's
0: yeah, been it's been the rotations, and specifically, I hate like name dropping people because it's not what I like to do, but our guards and specifically like Davion Harmon has been very, very bad with these defensive rotations. Um, but I think another thing that's really going against tech this year is they don't have the length that they've had in years past where, you know, a lot of these opens like tech, you know, go back even to the final four team. Like tech has a history of the, the way you beat the no middle is you hit your shots. And That hasn't changed whatsoever. You know, teams have hit threes consistently on tech. It's kind of, I feel like we've always been talking about this. It's like last year, I feel like it was a really big issue too, let up a lot of open shots. But it wasn't as noticeable when you have guys, you know, like Adonis Arms, Bryson Williams, uh, Davion Warren, just guys that were a lot lengthier that could at least somewhat contest shots when they maybe had a foot into the paint. They could at least get out there to try to get a hand up, but... Um, you know, with some shorter gu- guards like Pop and Harmon out there, the combination just isn't working defensively, and that's just kind of the biggest glaring issue with this team to me. The offense, I want to say, offensively, this Tech team, especially these last two games, um, they get good shots. They get really good shots, actually, Um, you know, against Iowa State. They didn't get any good looks, but also that Iowa State defense has not given anybody a good look this season. Uh, but this team offensively, I genuinely think you know, especially these last two games, they've they figured something out. Like they there is something there, but it's so weird that we have to talk about it. That like because Texas Tech is so known for that defense, but the defense just hasn't been there and. At this point, it sucks to say. I just don't think there's really an easy fix because um, I think the route that Mark Adams took this offseason was he wanted to get more offensive players and turn them into defenders because uh, I think there's a quote from him out there actually saying that it's much easier to take an offensive player and turn them into a defender than it is to take a defender and turn them into an offensive player. But I think we're finding out that it's not as easy as he made it sound to turn an offensive player into a defensive player. And I think we're seeing that, you know, specifically with guys like Davion Harmon. Um, I think one out there that is probably the reason he hasn't been playing as much is Kerwin Walton. You know, we've seen what he can do on the offensive end, but his defense is still just not there. Um, Kevin O'Banner has came around defensively but you know last year he was not great. we we're seeing what how long it's taken him to kind of develop into a better defender. But you know that right now is just the glaring issue to me. Uh, can we
1: can it, we have a conversation about something else great? And again, uh, like we like we've both mentioned at times this we don't like to name drop, but certain things um, kind of force our hand, certain issues kind of force our hand Kendall what the fuck has happened to Kevin O'Banner like this dude has come in and we kind of put it on him in the offseason kind of talked to him say you know you're gonna be the offensive guy um, this is before we knew what we could get out of Pop Isaacs or even before we had Dawes in the transfer portal so like I think there are some questions. Well, I know there are questions being asked in this fan base and I don't mean it as a shot at O'Banner by any means, but for you, what is the issue with him? Why are we not seeing that production that we saw last year? I mean, I understand that you, the offense isn't flowing as well without, uh, Terrence Shannon and even dare I say, without Kevin McCuller, but, uh, you know, just can you put a simple layman's term on what's the deal with Kevin O'Banner and what's going on? Because to be quite frank, he's a little bit in a little MIA over the past, pretty much ever since conference play started.
0: Well, I think it's kind of the same issue he had last year. Uh, last year, he seemed to just get into this like mental hole in conference play where he couldn't hit a three. Um, you know, he fought on the boards, and he's still fighting on the boards. Like this dude is still. You know, when it comes to rebounding and stuff, he's still a dog, and that's why he's still so valuable. That's why you see him out on the court so much. But to me, I hate to say it because, like, I really do like Kevin O'Banner, but I also just don't know if he has ever, you know, been in place to be the number one guy. Because go back to his time at Oral Roberts. He was never the number one there. He was never the number one shot creator, the number one shot maker. It was Max Asemus. You know, the guy that was averaging 30 points a game. And O'Banner did fantastic in that role of being kind of like a second scorer. And last year, when he had his best games, he was obviously never the top guy either. Last year, you had Bryson Williams. Last year, you had Adonis Arms who could go get shots. Last year, you had Terrence Shannon and Kevin McCuller and a bunch of different guys that can go get shots. But now, it's just so glaringly obvious that he can't you know, necessarily create for himself. And that's not, to me, that's not really a bad thing as a player, but it's a bad thing when the team is expecting you to create and you're not able to, but that can also be on coaching because, um, you know, you have to know your players and you have to know what their strengths are. Kevin O'Banner's strength has always been kind of a pick and pop off the three. It's been getting offensive rebounds, and creating second chance points for the team and himself. I don't think he's never been that great at you know doing the post back down. He's never been that great at creating his own shot off the dribble. And when you're asking him to do that stuff, uh, it's worked a couple times this year. Like he he had a big game against Kansas. Uh, he had some big games early on, but also. I think we're seeing now the downsides to having a guy like that as your one of your top options, but you know, as Dawes starts to get his footing with this team, which I, I got to give a shout out to him, because for him to come into that Texas game, like you said, and play twenty nine minutes after being off for I want to say four or five months of like actual basketball action, like that's next to impossible at the D one level when you when you're conditioning and stuff really isn't up to par what he has done these first two games um it's been a really welcome sight but i'm hoping once he finally gets back when amac finally gets back to being himself um which based on if anybody's watched his film when he when amac he is not the full-blown guy that we will be getting when he's fully 100 percent, that guy can give you 20 and 15 on any given night and he can do it consistently so and i think that's our bryson williams type player that we're waiting for but he's just not ready to fill that role yet because you know he's coming off of a injury that kept him out for months you know it's gonna take time but once
1: yeah and did- i th- I, th- I think that i think that a lot of people um at least i can i can tell at least just watching the game, just watching the game flow, you can still that he's he's still a little ginger on that foot. You know, he's still a little, he's still a little, uh, not, not, I don't want to say untrusting, uh, but you can just tell he's still a little ginger on that foot. And I think that once, you know, as time goes on, um, it'll be better to see.
0: Yeah, and I think it's so hard to ask a guy to come, not only come off of an injury, but to play 20 plus minutes every night to jump into the starting lineup and play a major role you're like with all due respect i think tech is we to be successful tech needs him to be the top scorer and he's not ready for that yet he will be but he's not right now and like you know there's a lot of fans that i've seen on twitter i've i saw some people kind of you know say that you know they think he hasn't like in two games, I already saw a couple people make comments like, you know, where's he at? Well, A, he's already got—in both games, he's put up double digits, and he's been a very obvious force down low. Um,
1: he was one sh- he was one rebound
0: shy of a double-double in the Baylor game. Yeah, and that's, like, exactly what he brings, and it's obvious on the offensive end. The last two games, Tech has gotten so many better shots with AMAC on the floor. They've probably gotten better shots in these last two games than they have all season. And yeah, the defense part, that's really, really frustrating when it's the fact that our defense is losing us games right now. But also, to me, that's more, if it makes sense, it's more fixable than if we were to be just absolutely flat with AMAC offensively. So... You know, I still have a glimmer of hope for this team because at the end of the day, every game in Big 12 play is a quad one game. Like, that's just facts. So if Tech can get on at least some sort of mini streak when we get... Like, the one thing that's really... Tech has literally played essentially the Big 12's best to offer outside of that OU game. They've played KU, they've played Texas, they've played Iowa State, they've played Baylor, and now they're going to play Kansas State on the road. There's still – we haven't played Oklahoma State once yet. We haven't played West Virginia. We still have another shot at OU. Like, there's still opportunities, and we still get CCU at home. So, you know, if – after this weekend, I think this is kind of going to be the timeline is if Dawes can really get back to – closer to 100% by next week. I think there's still a like a reasonable chance for this team to try to make a little bit of noise. I'm not going to like bet my house on it or anything, but I think that there's still a window. It's just like like we've been saying the past couple of weeks that window is closing and you know, we need to see changes. But defensively, it's going to start and finish with our guards not our big men. Our big men, I think have actually been very good defensively. I think that, you know, given the time that he's had, I think AMAC has been pretty good out there, especially even switching on guards. I think he's done the best to his abilities. Uh, Kevin O'Banner, like I said, I think he's coming around defensively. I think he's been much better than um, a lot of other players, but our guards they got to figure it out because we can't keep leaving these wide open shots. We can't keep letting teams score 80 because we're just not going to win any games that way.
1: I agree. Um, So I want to, I want to just throw one more stat out there as we kind of transition into this Baylor game, Um, Texas game. Bajo had 19 minutes. O'Banner had 34 minutes. Pop Isaacs, 35 minutes. Tyson, 37 minutes. Harmon, 32 minutes. IMac, twenty nine minutes. Lamar Washington nine, Demarion Williams four, um, Richard Jennings or Robert Jennings uh, one minute of floor time. Um, this is significant, and I'll tie this back into it as we transition into this Baylor game. Um, Tech losing by seven points at home uh 81 to 74 um george led baylor i think at this point Keontae george is pretty much a lock for the big 12 freshman of the year um unless uh, barring an injury or just some sort of catastrophic stretch uh the kid's a baller uh finished with 27 points five rebounds three assists um in 32 minutes it was five of 11 from three um in this one for tech uh you had arguably possibly your best offensive game of the year Uh, i was really impressed with the first half offensively uh and and ball movement was great the shot making was great and you still found yourself down eight at the break which is how bad the defense was um You had four starters in double digits. Um, Tyson had 19 to lead tech scorers. Um, Pop had 14. O'Banner had 10. And Dawes had 12. Um, Kerwin Walton had 12 off the bench, which was a a very welcome sight. Um, Boccio, again, three points, three rebounds. Um, Tyson had 19 points and 12 rebounds, his second consecutive double-double. Um and the thing that i want to get to you and and we'll we'll touch on the offense and stuff um but i want to talk about i want to kind of put a light on baylor for a minute um they are a very good offensive team very good offensive team and um it showed they were 11 of 29 from three uh they had I think they had seven or eight in the first half alone. Um, Flagler had a very bad game by his standards. Still finished with nine points and five assists and three steals. Uh, LJ Cryer was four of four from three. He finished with 18 points, four rebounds. Um, as I mentioned, George had 27. Uh, Jalen Bridges, you know, welcome to Baylor. Had to from West Virginia, had 14 points. I think he had 12 in the first half. Um, it, this was just a very bad, very, very bad defensive game from Tech. Um, you're talking about a team that really had built its national prowess on just how good they were at defense, and it wasn't there. I, I think literally probably any other night, uh, if you have this type of night in any other season – in the past five years tech wins this game by at least 10 to 15 points um just a really really bad effort uh from the guards uh you had a great preview that i want to talk to you about uh you had a great preview on this and and your preview was that you needed to control the offensive rebounds that baylor gets and you needed to guard the perimeter um Tech didn't do either of those things. Um, They were terrible on on the rebounding side, and they allowed Baylor to throw, not make all of them, obviously, but they allowed him to shoot uh, 29 three-pointers. Baylor was also 14 of 18 from the free-throw line, Keontae George making all six of his. Cryer was four of seven. Uh, Flo Thambo was two of two for his only two points. Um, you mentioned it. Um, got a couple things we want to touch on. You mentioned it just now. The Bigs have been playing okay down low on D. Um, it's really been the guard play that's been hurting us, and I don't know if we could really ever say that for a recent period of time. You know, it, it's been uh, we've had some pretty talented guards, some long guards that could defend pretty much one through five at least one through four and you're getting burned and the thing is it's not it's not like they're just burning you down low when you when you make those switches that the no middle calls for like when you end up with a guard on a big man your guards are getting torched by other guards uh around the perimeter and and it's in i mean like you said we're gonna be we're gonna be pretty blunt about it it's a fucking problem And, um, it just, to me, at least as, as the fan that I am, following this team, watching the games, watching the body language out on the floor, it doesn't seem to be a very pressing issue to anyone. And yeah, you can talk all that you want to talk about it in the, in the post game, you know? You can talk about, oh, well, these guys should have played better or, you know, that's my bad. I should have had that closeout on that guy. Well, yeah, but, you know, (laughs) it just doesn't seem to be that pressing of an issue in the moment. Uh, There there was a point where they made like three or four straight threes and there was no timeout called. There was no coaching from the sideline. It was just like it was just him saying looking at the players and being like, come on, you got to you got to get there. Well yeah, how about how about we call a timeout? Stop the bleeding, you know. Be a coach. I think that there's a lot of frustration from this fan base right now with the coaching staff, which we haven't seen in quite some time here. And I think it's something that you and I should talk about. Granted, we got we have a lot to talk about, and I just laid a lot out, but let's talk about the defense and we know that Baylor is one of the best offenses in the Big 12, but what made this so bad for Tech that it just seemed like they couldn't get a stop if their lives depended on it?
0: Well, uh, I think the first part of that is Keontae, George. Um, the issue with you know Tech's defense, especially against Baylor, was at the end of the day... Tech is going to dare teams to shoot the three. That's what they've always done with the no middle. Um, And there's been teams who have absolutely killed it from beyond beyond the arc against Tech. And, you know, there's also been times where that has really, really worked. Um, Especially, like, uh, even looking at last year's team. Um, There were... It was a good defensive team last year, but also they did let up a lot of shots. It's why... They lost to Kansas in the Big Twelve Championship at the tournament in KC. Um, it's why they lost to Kansas' Allen Fieldhouse. And like a lot of other games last year, most of their losses, if you go look at the you know, the scorebooks, go look at the stat sheet, you're gonna see a lot of made threes. And I think as time has gone on since that, you know, since the Elite Eight and Final Four run, um As time goes on, when there's more film out there on it, teams are going to start to figure out what you're doing. And that's why you're seeing the regression in not only Tech's defense, but look at the regression in Baylor's defense. Look at the regression in Texas's defense. Like These are programs that are all running the same thing. And teams are starting to figure it out. So that means the coaching staff has to make adjustments. And those adjustments have not been made yet. And sometimes what it takes is a season like what we're going through now um, for a guy like Mark Adams who has ran the same stuff for how many years now? And it's worked for him. It's worked for the program, and it's worked wherever he's been at. But now that his defense has been in the spotlight teams have started to figure out what tech is doing and what everybody or like everyone that's running the no middle teams are starting to figure it out. So I don't think it's as much of yeah, tech's defense is so much worse. I think the main thing is teams are just figuring out what we're doing, you know, with our switches. They're making it so they get you know, preferred matchups, like how many times did Jalen Bridges have a small guard out him on the perimeter and he would either just rise up and take the shot or he would take two dribbles and get straight to the rim. Like that's what teams are basically pointing out and figuring out how they do it. And it's, it's frustrating for sure. Well, that comes like, with, that
1: comes with size, right? Like that's, I mean, that's what that well, we yeah, touched on kind of briefly when, because because
0: the guards are smaller than we're used to, right? Well, so let's just kind of go through last year's lineup when you looked at technically who was starting. You had Kevin McCullough who was r- roughly like what six four, six five, maybe even closer to six six. You had Adonis Arms, six five. Davion Warren was around that six five area. And then you had Kevin O'Banner, who's six foot eight, six foot nine, and you had Bryson Williams, who was at six foot eight. Like you had T.J. Shannon, yeah, you had Shannon, who's r- roughly six four off the bench. Uh, you had Boccio coming in there from time to time, who obviously he's at you know close to that seven foot range. Like there was not like a short guy on last year's roster. There just wasn't one. But this year's team, when you look, you have two guys. In our starting lineup, that are pretty damn close to that, like what six two, six one range with Harmon and uh, and Isaacs, like that creates all the difference in the world. And it's partially on the coaches, but I also think that Mark Adams go like at the end of the day, Mark Adams has always had the thought process that he can turn anyone into a defender. But look how long it took. For a guy like Davide Moretti. That's a perfect example because I feel like that's exactly where Harmon and Isaacs are both at. Look at where he was his freshman year defensively. He was unplayable. But then as time went on, he progressively got better. But that just, I think with the smaller guards specifically, it does take time. And Harmon, I think there's no excuse for Harmon. That that guy's been pissing me off a lot. Um, because he should be so much better, and we all know he can be so much better than what he's showing defensively. You know, Isaac's and Washington; those two guys, I think they're going to get better over time. But uh, the lapses that Davion Harmon has had on the perimeter—it, it's—I hate to say that it's really breaking down this entire defense. But every single possession, when you're supposed to be switching and one switch gets messed up and you let up a o- wide open shot, it throws off the rhythm, you know, for a couple possessions. And you just th- Tech couldn't catch back up against Baylor. Um, I thought our defense actually, especially in the first half, our defense looked like prime Texas Tech defense against Texas in the first half of that game. Like, I genuinely thought that that was the most elite our defense has looked all season. Well, yeah, they had, they finished with 25 points. And realistically, they should have probably finished with closer to 20 points, but they got those calls towards the end where, that put them on the line. So that's that game right there, especially that Texas game, show me that this, t- what they can do, and they just aren't there yet. And I saw Tariq Owens post something today that on Twitter, and I know everyone's tired of hearing the, excuse of like a young basketball team. But at the end of the day, a team doesn't grow up. Like it takes a long time for young players at the big 12 level to really grow up. Um, an example of that for me is this TCU, this year's TCU team. Um, look at this year's Kansas state team. Like go back to the couple years before that they were both in the gutters. Like, They were both just at the very bottom, Uh, and I hate, like, everyone hates down years, like, and especially a lot of tech basketball fans, we haven't, like, really experienced what a down year is for so long. Like, it's been, like, non-existent. But the only year that could have been really considered somewhat of a down year was the 2019-20 season, um, that got stopped short due to COVID. I that team probably would have missed the tournament. But can I you know, can I ha- form a, can
1: I form a question to you real quick? Oh yeah. What would what would you say to someone who agrees that yeah, there's a problem with youth on this team, but at the same time it. Yeah, you know, you you sit here and we say, and you and I talk about this frequently. This team just needs a chance to grow up, right? But what would you say to a common fan who sees what's going on in the off season with this tra- with the transfer portal, and people are worried, you know? People see an zero and six start in conference, possibly an zero seven start in conference and think that their best players are just going to jet for another program. I mean, it's a it's a very real possibility. So, yeah, in the past, I think we can sit there and say, oh, you know, this team's just young. They'll get better as time goes on. But the game itself, the college basketball sphere and the scope of the whole landscape of the game itself has changed so much. I think that... I guess my question is: What would you say can be done? I guess just the coaches talking to the players to keep them around, so they can stay at the program longer before they jet. Do we need to offer? I mean, this—I can't believe I'm saying this. Um, do we need to offer more nil money to stay longer, so that this team, so that they can get more familiar with the scheme? you know what what does this look like for tech going into the future because as a casual fan casual fans might just be saying oh well nine of these 12 players nine of these 13 players are either going to graduate or transfer at the end of the year so i mean what do we what do we say when it comes to that situation
0: it's it's obviously very valid concerns and there's going to be guys that leave, but I guess the way I would look at it is there's specific guys that I look at on this team that the, so we'll start with, I don't think Jalen Tyson leaves that that's one that I think stays. And I think, cause he's not NBA ready yet, but also I don't think there's a better situation for him than tech. And I don't think there's like a better option. I think Pop Isaacs, assuming he stays and doesn't go to the league, I think a guy like him stays. Uh, Bacho, I think, is here for the long haul. I think Lamar Washington is here for the long haul. Um, You know, we're going to Amac is probably I think that him coming to Tech was a one and done thing no matter what. Um, because I think he's going off, whether it's NBA or overseas, I think he's going professional ball. So, there's guys on this roster that were, it was very obvious we were only going to have them for a season. It, and those are your guys like, you have AMAC, you have uh, Demarion Williams, I think is only a one year thing. But other than really those two, I think there's a, a yes, we've seen a lot of like mass exodus in college basketball specifically. But so a, the NCAA just put down a huge transfer rule that essentially, if you transfer a second time, you're going to have to sit out a year. I think that's going to change a lot of things, um, in college basketball, because if you look at the roster now, who would that apply to? Well, it applies to Jalen Tyson. It applies to Kerwin Walton. Um, I think Davion Harmon technically has another year of eligibility if he were to use it, so that would apply to him. Um, it would apply to Amac if he wanted to play another season. Uh, Daniel Bacho, it would apply to him. So it's like, yes, that's a fear, and yes, that is like it's a for the casual fans out there. Like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, but I think see. It's just kind of maddening to me because everyone out on Twitter and everyone on social media, they think they know what goes on in the program. You know, there's a lot of people, there's been so many, how many rumors have circulated this season all of a sudden when tech starts playing bad basketball, like, and we don't know what's true, what's not true. And that's just kind of what happens I guess when you have a rough season but I'm here to break a lot of news to people unless you're a blue blood every single program is going to have years and seasons where things just don't work out for whatever reason like there you cannot find me a single program that isn't considered a blue blood that hasn't had a bad season and the I would say The farthest you could go back is like seven to eight years. Like, hell, look at Iowa State. Like, they were great with Hoiberg and Prome. They had some very good years where they won Big 12 titles and then they went 2 22. And the next season, they were right back up towards the top of the Big 12.
1: Like, I think, I think, well, my honest opinion, I think Prom got screwed in that deal. I mean, Iowa State's in a great place with Otzelberger right now, and Otzelberger is a great coach. And I'm not saying he didn't deserve the Iowa State job because he did, but I think they pulled the trigger way too fast with Steve Prohm. I think he had one bad year, and they just threw him to the curb.
0: And that's what to me that's what a lot of fans I'm seeing on Twitter. That's what a lot of people are calling for. Mark Adams' head. And I'm just like. Guys, we went to the Sweet 16 last season. And I, I also see people saying, oh, he did that with Beard's guys. No, he didn't. Did Chris Beard bring in Kevin O'Bannon? No. Did Chris Beard bring in Bryson Williams? No. Did Chris Beard bring in Adonis Arms? No. It's like, yes, Kevin McCuller and Terrence Shannon were there. And those were guys recruited by Beard. But Mark Adams put together a roster out of essentially thin air and took the team to the sweet 16. If you're going to sit there and really act like you don't think he could do it again. If he, like, sure. He, this team, I think the expectations for it were so high, but when you look at reality, look at how many true freshmen or red shirt freshmen are on this team. And then you also have to look at, you know, you guys, you brought in like Kerwin Walton, um, Demarion Williams. Kerwin Walton never played any meaningful minutes at North Carolina. So he is essentially... He's not necessarily a freshman, but he's in the same boat as a lot of these true and redshirt freshmen. Then, you have a guy like Demarion Williams. Yes, he played good minutes, but he played at gardner Webb, A team that, if they're lucky, they win their conference tournament and get a 16 seed in the tournament. So, this team everyone had a high expectations for. And yeah, I'll admit I was one of them, but when you go back and look at it, it's like, well, think about consider the facts. Yes. You have Kevin O'Banner, who was a part of that sweet 16 team. Yes. And we wish he was playing a little better right now, but then look at the roster after that. Daniel Bacho love the guy. He didn't do jack shit last season. You know, he showed potential. And we heard all offseason about how much better he looked, and yeah, against bad teams he's looked really good, but he's still not there yet. And you know, bring in Davion Harmon. Uh, I like Harmon. A lot of people did like Harmon, but at the same time, he's the same player he was at Oklahoma. He's the same player he was at Oregon. He's not the top guy. Um, he isn't a top guy. You know, he's a he's essentially a glue guy, and those guys are necessary, but you also have to have more pieces around him when we're expecting him to be one of our top couple players. It's just not going to work out the way that we want it to. Now, then you look at the guy like Fardaz Amak. Well, this team didn't have him up until Saturday. So there's so many contributing factors to why this season is going south. But to put it strictly, you know, on Mark Adams and to act like You know that his job should even be Considered of being cut It's like unless something Comes out about You know something behind The scenes there's no chance That he is going to be fired or Even talked about to be fired And he shouldn't be like It's ridiculous to have That type of thought just because we're going Through a rough patch and The season isn't looking fantastic Because I guarantee you Hey, this is the best bi- like the Big 12 has been really good the last couple of years. This is by far the best the conference has been in years. Like it's not even close. And I want to say that you know, I wish Tech was doing better, and at the end of the day, I think you could plug in Tech into a majority of the rest of the power conferences and I still think they're top 6, top 5 in the rest of those conferences, but it's the big 12 and we don't have that luxury. So we're going through a down year and we have to keep fighting with these guys. But you know, the talks of, you know, a mass exodus after the season, I think there's just a lot of people that are getting really worked up over a bad season and it sucks. But at the end of the day, we just have to let it play out and, I really don't see, I don't see any underlying issues that can't be fixed. It's just a team right now that is struggling. And I really wish that like, there's a lot of casual fans that I really wish could kind of just like it. Just figure that out, I guess is the way I would put it because
1: yeah, you know, no, that's that. No, yeah, I I get what you're saying. You just, I mean, see it for what it is and not, and not just overreact. And that's, And that's a big thing. Um, I wanted to press into this Kansas State game. Um, another thing I wanted to tie in that last thing, uh, before we move on, actually, real quick. Um, Kerwin Walton had 23 minutes against Baylor, um, Bacho had 22. Um, Your other guys off the bench, K.J. Allen, played less than a minute. Lamar Washington played four minutes. Damari Williams played four minutes. Um, As we get into this Kansas State preview, uh, I kind of want to touch on something while we're getting everything set up for it. Um, Lamar Washington's minutes have been reduced to next to nothing over the last two games um cause for concern at all or is it just kind of the ebbs and flows of the season or because i really am not was not seeing anything in lamar washington's play prior to the texas game that would constitute such a such a reduction in minutes um but damn i mean that dude was that dude was in the High teens to low twenties per game, and now in the last couple, it's been low single digits.
0: I I honestly think the coaching staff is still just trying to figure out who works together. Like, I think they're trying to figure out what lineups look best together, and we saw that against Texas, like they rolled out a lineup of Bacho, O'Banner, and Amac. Like, I think that they, they're just. I guess the best way to put it is, they're they're just like the players, in the fact that they're trying to put it all together still, um, and that that's tough. It can be tough for a coaching staff, like you know, since it's what I have like what I w- have watched for years too. Like I watch Iowa basketball. The biggest knock on Fran McCaffrey for years with Iowa basketball is his rotations were way too big and it took him years to figure out what to do with his type of rotations and it's the same for every coach in college basketball and people are forgetting mark adams is still a second year head coach it's not like he he has figured everything out like he's still learning too and you know you're going to see some weird like i hate lamar losing minutes like that cuz i do really like lamar washington Um, but I think it just has more to do with I think this team has really or the coaches have really started to like their guard like duo of Isaacs and Harmon. But I also can see that changing, you know, if Tech does drop to zero and seven. I I we've slowly started to see Adams start to play around a little bit with the rotation. We've seen guys like Damarion Williams against um, against Oklahoma getting more minutes. Um, we've seen, we uh, like you said, we've seen Lamar get close to 20 minutes, but we've also seen these other games where he gets limited minutes. So I just think it's a game-to-game thing. And, you know, if there's guys out there that are really working, I think they're going to see more time on the floor which is what we saw with carwin walton you know he made a couple shots he got more time and lamar washington the games he's played i think um when he started to go out there and put up some points he stayed out on the floor and i think that's just kind of the way mark adams is rolling with it a little bit
1: i agree but like at what point i mean again to kind of barely touch on this um we got to talk before we get it we got to talk about elijah fisher um I'm, I mean, at what point are we... T- I mean, he has the least... He has, I believe, the least amount of minutes on this team. Um, yeah, he has the least amount of minutes on this team from someone that's not Fardos, who's been out all year with an injury, or C.J. Williams, the walk-on of the coach's son. Um, he has the least amount of minutes. Um, I I don't really understand at what point during an 0 and six O and seven conference campaign are you not getting a five star uh you know McDonald's All American and tss, tss, uh you know equivalent uh guy out on the floor I, I I can't for the life of me imagine um that his and and the thing that I talked about earlier in the year, why he wasn't getting as many minutes was because of the fact that his defense was, was lacking in certain areas. Well, this team can't use that excuse anymore because this team sucks at defense. They're terrible. So I don't understand why you can't give this kid a little more run. And I understand. And I, and I understand what you're saying about, you know, the minutes with Lamar Washington and, um, You know, they're just kind of playing it based on feel. But if you're going to do that, if you're going to keep the guys out on the floor that are feeling it, in my mind, you have to let everyone get out there at some point. Even, like I said, KJ Allen was out there in the Baylor game, but he was out there for less than a minute. You know, maybe he wasn't feeling it. Maybe he wasn't, you know, maybe the staff saw something they didn't like. Maybe he just wasn't feeling it himself. But if you're going to play that style of play, where you're going to have your five starters, you're going to have Harmon, O'Banner, Isaacs, Tyson, uh, Dawes, uh, Bacho out there, and then and then you know you have your other tier behind them. You know you have Washington, uh, KJ Allen, Damarian Williams, Kerwin Walton, um, all those guys, Jennings, Fisher. You have to you have to let these guys get on the court if you're really going to play that way and you're really going to determine who's sticking out there based off the type of night they're having um you gotta let other guys get out there you have to let elijah fisher get out on the court and have some playing time against against these big 12 opponents because keeping him on the bench uh, is doing nothing and all it is is pushing him out the door
0: i i agree to a point the one part that i think is it's really actually it does frustrate me to not see fisher out there more but I see why he's not, not for the sense that I don't necessarily think he has the talent or the potential, but you know, he reclassified and that is playing a bit. He's just so young and it is frustrating because I do think he could bring a lot of different things to this team with his athleticism and his raw talent. But I guess the best comparison for a guy like Fisher is if you were to go go back to last basketball season um the same essentially the same exact thing the top recruit uh from what sh- would have been the 2022 class reclassified to 2021 in Imani Bates and went to Memphis and you essentially saw the same thing there you know he he was getting like 10 if he was lucky 10 minutes a game at Memphis and he transferred out and he's now at Eastern Michigan which he's playing some great basketball there but um, I think in the college game, the guys that reclassify, um, I just think the coaches, for whatever reason, aren't giving them as much of an opportunity to see the court. And I think in Fisher's case, um, I, I, I am frustrated because I think he, he's literally like the perfect guy size-wise that could create a lot of difference for this team. But there's got to be something that you know we aren't in practice every day, so we we can only speculate. But um, there's got to be something that the coaches are just seeing that they like more in guys like Walton and Demar and Williams over Fisher right now. And you're right; it could lead to, um, it could lead to him possibly transferring. But also, I have to know that there was a sense of when he came. There had to have been a sense of Mark Adams being pretty straight up with him on, you know, what would happen uh, for a guy like him because he, as great as he is and will be, um, adjusting and leaving early from the high school level for one and not having that senior year out on the AAU circuit and stuff against, uh, the top talent in the nation, uh, that it, it does take a lot of time to adapt. And I, I just think that that's probably what we're seeing. It sucks because everyone knows that there's this five-star talent sitting on the bench that we would love to see more of. But, um, I think just the him reclassifying is probably the biggest role that that's playing but and I think if he was that upset with it with how things were going right now I personally think he would have already entered the portal um because we've seen like we saw Jalen Tyson do it last year for Texas um and we saw that guy from Georgia that Kyron Lindsay that we just got out of the portal um, he did the same thing so I think if things were really, really bad, I think Fisher would have been in the portal already.
1: That's a good point. Um, let's go ahead and jump into K-State. Uh, K-State, uh, number one team in the Big 12 after this mid slate of midweek games. Texas Tech officially the bottom dweller um, with West Virginia getting that win over TCU at home. Um Number one versus number nine, ten, however many teams. I can't ever remember. Um, Kansas State has Keontae Johnson, or um, and that dude is going to most likely, uh, if I had to guess, uh, win the Comeback Player of the Year if there is such an award for the entire country. Uh, it's a really great story. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Keontae Johnson was a freshman at Florida a couple years ago when he collapsed on the court in the middle of a game against, I think it was Vanderbilt, um, and took a year off to get healthy, uh, transferred to Kansas State, where he is balling out, averaging almost 19 points a game, seven rebounds, and... Um, Along with him, you know, Kansas State has uh, Marquise uh, Noel, who's averaging about 16 a game with about eight assists. Um, they have Naquan Tomlin, who's also averaging double figures, uh, right at about 11. Um, this team, to be blunt, this team is very, very good. Um, Kendall and I talked about this for a brief minute before we came on the air. Uh, we are not under any other impression that this team is possibly, uh, the best team in the big 12. Um, they took it to Kansas. Uh, granted that game was in Manhattan at Bramlage Coliseum, um, and Kansas will get their shot at K-State back in Lawrence at, at the fog, but, um... Kansas State's hot right now. Jerome Tang's going to win Coach of the Year. Uh, Probably easily the Big 12, very possibly uh, for the country as well. Um, We're running out of time, Kendall. Give me a quick, succinct way that we win this what does tech do if tech somehow pulls something out of their ass and wins this game what did we do right in this
0: game get lucky um that that's the only way to put it because this is a really good team you know we saw them put 116 up on texas on the road like in college basketball, 116 in regulation is almost unheard of. Like that's just absolutely insane. Uh, their offense is really, really damn good. I think the best chance Tech is going to have, we just have to hope they're missing some shots. Uh, because Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel, they're both going to get theirs. Like it's not a you can hope to slow them down, but you're not going to stop them. So, you know. If it's possible like if the rest of their supporting cast struggles, I think Tech has a chance because, you know, as Dawes starts to get I have a feeling he's gonna start working his way up closer to those 30-minute stat lines. Um, I think that he can do some damage down low. He is a big damn dude. I think that if he you know, they Kansas State, a lot of their big guys, they're they're tall, but they're not as built as Dawes is, so I think that he can be effective down low. And but I'm gonna be honest, tech always struggles at in Manhattan as it was. And now that they're actually good, I I do not have a lot of optimism going into this game. But you know, throw, me a, throw, me,
1: a, throw me a point, throw me a point uh
0: prediction. i I would if I was to really sit down and like bet on this game, I genuinely think tech would lose something like 75 to 62. But if Tech is going to win this game, it's going to have to stay in the 60s. It can't get really much past that because we've seen Tech try to get into shootouts this year. It just hasn't worked. So the defense is going to have to show up. I don't know if it will. But um, if I was going to guess, I think K-State's going to win this game by 13. But uh, I I do think Tech has an outside shot, but they're kind of just going to have to prove it. I think that... um...
1: I saw a tweet and I, and I want to mention it before we get out of here. Um, I saw a tweet that someone sent and they said, does Baylor have a Joey McGuire of basketball? And the overwhelming response was yes, but he's already at Kansas state. So, um, Kansas state got a good one in Jerome Tang. Um, ironically we'll give a shout out we'll give one more shout out on this pod to cyclone larry uh cyclone larry uh tweeted about two years ago i believe right after chris beard left to go to austin and cyclone larry tweeted if texas tech doesn't hire jerome tang they're crazy and um well he was right um I'm gonna go ahead and give a prediction, which in the which is gonna be in the form of a stark warning. Um, if Tech plays bad defense in this game and can't hit shots, you're gonna see something very similar to the Iowa State game in Ames. Um, it's just the it's just the it's just the fact of the matter at this point. Um, you saw. Tech just got blown. I mean, they lost that game in Ames by, what, 34? So...
0: Yeah, I was there. I had to watch that shit.
1: Yeah, so, like, yeah. And you were there. We were talking during the game about just how bad it was. And I remember I, I texted you, I think, with the, what was it, about five or six minutes left, and I said, I hope you got out of there already. <laughs> and and I was just like, God, I hope you're not there anymore. Um, but this, this game... I is so crazy and this and that's just the the craziness of the Big Twelve, right? Um we're still sitting here talking about the top team in the Big Twelve and the bottom or the bottom team of the Big Twelve and still talking about Tech having a chance, an outside chance to win this. Um Tech's gonna have to shoot like they did in the first half against Baylor, and they're gonna have to play defense the same way they played in the first half against Texas. If that If those two halves show up in the same game for the whole game. So if we shoot like we did against Baylor in the first half for the whole game, and we play defense like we did against Texas in the first half the whole game, Tech wins this game. But we haven't seen it all year. It has yet to be put together. And... I think the possibly the only game it's gotten close is the Louisville game in Maui. And that's because Louisville is hot garbage. They're terrible. And I think that if tech doesn't, if tech comes out and is sulking because they lost, you know, six in a row or they lost their last one at home to Baylor in a game that was very winnable, but was still lost. Um, you could get lit up in this one. And um, we'll be watching. Uh, but my my final prediction is going to be a little less optimistic than Kendall's. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go out and say I, I think Kansas State uh, wins this one handily, and, and I want to say it's going to be more around the 20 to 25-point range. Uh, I think Kansas State probably wins about uh, probably like – 80 to 55, 80 to 60, somewhere in that range. Uh, I just think that their offense is too good, and we haven't played defense really at all this year other than against Louisville, who's hot garbage. So um, we're going to go ahead and wind it up there. Um, The game against Kansas State is at 1 o'clock. It's on ESPN2 it's one o'clock central time I should say for those of you that are tuning in from other time zones it's one o'clock central it's at Kansas State um, I I don't really know I don't I can't really give any positive you know rhetoric here to go on to watch this game but we'll be watching the game starts at one tune in into Viva the matadors for live tweets Um It's probably gonna be a mix of me and Macon who's unable to join us tonight. Reed was also unable to join us tonight. Um, but it'll probably be a mix of uh Macon and I on the Viva Twitter. Um depending on what happens. Um, but uh look for Kendall's thoughts on his Twitter, on the on the Hub City uh Twitter. And uh thanks for listening in, you know. Um Regardless of what happens this season, we're in it with you guys. So, uh, hang on, hang tight. Uh, you know, keep rooting for these guys. And uh, the last thing I'll say is, uh, baseball starts in 28 days. So uh, keep that on the clock. And I will be posting a baseball preview in the next, I'd say, 10 to 12 days. On the side, I've been working on it for a couple weeks already. Uh, so it'll be pretty in-depth uh, as to what you can look forward to for baseball season. Uh, thanks for listening, y'all. Wreck